Greetings, this is HG Wells, Logset S1 Log 3, and today I am honoured to be in the company of one of history's most famous writers, and his many, many pets, romantic by name and by nature, Lord George Gordon Byron. Thank you for allowing me to conduct this interview with you, Lord Byron. Oh, please, Mr. Wells. Just call me Byron. Byron, if you insist. Oh, I do. You are a guest after all. And most welcome in my humble abode. Humble isn't quite the word I'd use, but I digress. Now, um, before we really delve into this whole interview business, would you mind getting those peacocks away from my time machine? It's a very delicate piece of the finest engineering and- Oh, don't fret about Sardanapalus. He's just admiring your fine craftsmanship, Mr. Wells. As am I. He's quite well behaved. But, 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 uh, I- uh, All right. Anything else making you feel uncomfortable, Mr. Wells? I would hate for you to feel... uneasy. Well, there is one thing, I suppose. Is that a bear you have chained up over there? Bear? Ah, my dear Edward. I call him Teddy for short. He is a sweetheart. Great at giving hugs. Or, to coin a phrase, bear hugs? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he'd give you one if you'd like. Goodness, no. I, I mean, I wouldn't want to disturb dear Edward from his slumber. A wise move. He can be rather grisly if you awaken him from a nap. Peacocks? Bears? Is that a heron? Why, yes it is. That's Herod. You have quite the keen eye for spotting remarkable creatures, Mr. Wells. As do I. Yes, quite. You practically live in a zoo. A very expensive zoo. With self-portraits and fine china. I'd call it more of a world-class menagerie. This place may be impressively large, but with so much here, I imagine you hardly have room for anything else. Good company, perhaps? I suppose so. How many animals do you have here? Does that number include me? Swiftly moving on from the subject of animals, in any and all forms that they may come, let's talk about your relations with other writers. Oh! I suppose you want me to talk about my dear old friend, Bish. I beg your pardon? Purse. Percy Bish Shelley. My man. Surely you know of him, being from the future. Oh yes, Percy Shelley, of course. I've heard a great deal about you and him and his wife Mary and the many, let's say somewhat scandalous escapades you've embarked upon. In particular, the uh, Geneva incident. Geneva! Now that was a holiday I'll never forget. Good gracious. It was glorious. Why do you refer to it as though it were some kind of heinous affair? Well, because arguably it was a heinous affair that resulted in everything that happened in Geneva. You act as though I committed some unspoken felony. You had sexual relations with your sister. Half-sister? Your own flesh and blood. 
half of my own flesh and blood. Only 50%. That's still 50% your own. That's still 50% not. All right, well, besides that, we all know what happened in Geneva. What happens in Geneva stays in Geneva. Clearly not, considering we all know about it. What happened in Geneva was just too much fun to just leave in Geneva. A lot of, let's say, physical activity and self-medicating took place, correct? Correct. And still takes place, in fact. Unsurprisingly. If you wanted, Mr. Wells, you could always partake in some physical activity with me. Perhaps you could use it. Actually, I'm alright at the moment. I go out cycling with Jane every morning, and that's enough for me for now. The offer stands, if you ever wish to take it. Thank you. Uh, but anyway, um, Geneva. It was there that you spent time with Percy Shelley, Mary Shelley, Claire Claremont, and your physician, Dr. John Polidori. Oh, what marvellous days they were. I can't begin to tell you the fun we had down on the lake. It's fine. I can imagine it. Though, I must admit, taking your doctor on holiday was rather an odd move. It may seem that way to you, but it was a great bonding experience for all involved. Right. And no other reasons? No! Well, I, I mean, I, I have to keep in my best health. Keep, keep medicated. Keep happy. Keep the laudanum, keep high. I'm not going to deny it. Don't look down upon me, Mr. Wells. A little recreational use hurt no one. What about Coleridge? I said a little. Not enough to sedate an elephant. A little can go a long way. As much as I love to tattle, Mr. Wells. Can we please get back on topic? Of course. I apologise, Byron. So back on topic... One night at Villa Diodati, after reading stories from Phantasmagoria, you proposed a, well, I suppose a contest of sorts. Indeed! Each of us to write a ghost story of our own. See who could create something truly riveting. Something that would cease the breath and heartbeats of all who heard the gruesome tale. Something that could be developed into a story that would forever go down in history and solidify our places within it. I must say, such a writing contest does sound like it would be fun. And how it was! We each managed to be productive in that time. Purse wrote a fragment of a ghost story, and some other various ghost stories. Mary wrote the concept for Frankenstein. Honestly, I thought it was quite a shocking idea. But look where it got her! Nothing could stop that woman. A true gothic author, through and through. I myself wrote something I called a fragment, namely because that's all it was. There were better things I could spend my time writing, so I abandoned the damn thing. It was just a story concept for the contest anyway. One moment, didn't you write the vampire? Good gracious, no! True, my fragment included a vampire, but that story was written by Polidori. Some daft imbecile published the writing thing without permission and incorrectly credited to me. Good grief, I'm sorry for the mix-up. What a frustrating mess. Incredibly so. It stresses me just thinking about it. So much so that... Bosun! What the devil? <coughs> Bosun, who's a good boy? Is it you? Yes, it's you. 
dog? Not just a dog, Mr. Wells. The best dog? Isn't that right, Boshu? Yes, it is. Yes, it is. Why am I even surprised? Dogs, peacocks, bears, hounds. I'm pretty sure there's a goose over there. How do you even function amongst so many animals, so many birds? I do love my birds. You don't have any ravens, do you? No, not currently. Thank goodness. But I have many other animals living here. They're nice to talk to. At least they're actually alive. I beg your pardon. Nothing, nothing. Let's just say a friend of mine has a bird that shall sing nevermore. Oh, how tragic! The pain of losing a beloved pet is is an ache that never truly dulls. Loss hurts in any form it may come. It's still losing some part of yourself and knowing there's no way of getting it back. You speak like a man who knows that pain all too well. Every man has his own personal pains and losses. I'm not here to discuss my losses, however. This is an interview about you, after all. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it's wonderful to discuss me. A shame, though. I just love to learn more about you. <laughs> I'm sure you would. Now, since we're on the subject, I'm assuming you've lost a beloved pet? My dear sweet bosun. But isn't that bosun? Bosun the second. I just couldn't live without a bosun in my life. He was simply the most brilliant companion you can imagine, Mr. Wells. Oh, how I loved him. But alas, it's to those who least deserve punishment that fate is so cruel. He became infected with rabies. Oh, how I tried to nurse him. Did all in my power to save him. But there was not a thing I could do. Death descended upon him. So sorry for your loss. I didn't mean to upset you. It's all right, Mr. Wells. He's not truly gone. I have his memories, both in the second, and I can always visit him. Do you have a grave for your dog? Oh, not just a grave, Mr. Wells. That would be insulting. Only the best for my dear Bosun. For him, I built at my ancestral home, Newstead Abbey, a marble funerary monument as large as my love for him, along with a poem inscribed into it, dedicated to him. All that for a dog. Isn't that going a little far? He was not just a dog. He was family. Yet he got a better burial than your real family. Hey, get away from that, you silly brute! Do you know how much those things cost, including the copper wire? He's no brute. He simply owns a curious mind. He'll ruin my recording, and curiosity killed the cat, you know. But he's a dog! You, you run along, Bosun. I'll give you fuss later. I'm sorry if I've offended or upset you in any way, Byron. I'm just not too fond of chaos, whereas seemingly you must thrive amongst all this. No need to apologise, Mr. Wells. I understand that living amongst so much under one roof must be disconcerting for some. 
I hope this hasn't created a rift between us. No, no, not at all. Don't you fret about it. Things are as they always were. I'm glad. Though, I wouldn't suppose you'd perhaps like to get a little closer? Well, I mean there would be no harm in... Is that your hand on my leg? You know, Mr. Wells, I think that you and I could really bond if we spend a little more time together? A little more privately, perhaps? Um... Somewhere more comfortable? You should accompany me to my chambers. I have the softest feather pillows. You could just turn off that funny sound device of yours and we could... No! No! I'll have none of that, thank you! Oh. Are you sure? I'm offering you a rare... Well, perhaps not rare, but a unique opportunity here, Mr. Wells. To have me... I am very, very sure, Byron. Now would you kindly take your hand away from my leg? Fine. Have it be that way. What a pity. For you. And with that, I believe we're quite finished here. My greatest thanks to you, Byron, for this enlightening conversation. My name is H.G. Wells, and this has been Lord Byron. And I regret parking my time machine there. There's a monkey on my time machine. Hey, you blasted rat bag. Get away from my time machine. This podcast was brought to you by Turpentine Productions. You can find us on Tumblr at Turpentine Productions, Twitter at Turpentine Pod, and Facebook at HG Wells Has His Regrets. HG Wells Has His Regrets is written by Emily Hancock with assistance from Francesca Mylard Ford. Music is written by Joash Kari and Emily Hancock. HG Wells was voiced by James Carpenter. Lord Byron was voiced by Michael Carpenter. This podcast is fictitious, and all characters within are merely fictional interpretations of the people they're based on, and are not to be taken as serious or accurate portrayals. We'll end the episode with a quote from Lord Byron's Don Juan. "'Tis strange but true, for truth is always strange, stranger than fiction. Thanks for listening.'